You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach talking Atlanta Braves with MLB.com's Braves beat reporter, Mark Bowman. Mark, uh, we're going to talk some draft here, and I want to start with asking about Colby Allard, who um, the Braves seem to think, and I think they're not the only ones, um, might have gone even higher than he did if not for some health issues. So, first of all, what is the the prognosis on his health? How confident are they that they didn't get damaged goods? Well, you're looking at a talented 17-year-old pitcher out of California who, you know, from what I understand, he he did have a, a stress fracture in his back that he, it seems like he got it just swinging a bat too hard. I've heard home run derby just messing around, batting practice type stuff. Um where, so he missed most of his senior season this year. I uh, had a lot of success last year in international competition uh, with Team USA. Uh, the guy that when they saw him throw his bullpen last year, scouting director Brian Bridges, he never imagined he'd be available with number 14. Now, Colby has been throwing for about five weeks right now, and that doesn't mean pitching. He's been throwing for five weeks, but from what I understand, and it makes sense with the timeline, um, once he signs and gets to camp, um, he will have basically no, no limitations moving forward. Um, so he will have a uh, what, what you would call a regular schedule here for uh, a first-year player. But, yeah, they, they do feel like they got, uh, uh, you know, like maybe some teams backed away because of the back. Uh, Braves feel like they, they took him in a real good spot there, number 14 overall. What kind of upside are we talking about here? And we're talking about a guy who might have one upside or maybe not that high. You know what? I, I, I guess I've heard, and you know, maybe they're from the same area. Max Freed, uh, who you know, Paul Snyder, a, a veteran scout for the Braves, um, saw Max Freed long before uh, Max Freed joined the Braves. Saw him there in high school. Um, yeah, I've heard some comparisons to him. I have not heard Paul Snyder specifically uh, re- refer to um, Colby Allard as Max Freed. But when I hear Paul Snyder tell me about what he saw from Max Freed. During his high school days, I see why everyone is so high, high on free. And, and there is a little bit there. Um, Kobe is a, a guy who um, he, he will go ahead and he, he's not he's not your typical just soft tossing lefty control type guy. He, he's got a little bit of uh, giddy up on his fastball and and a uh, uh, plus breaking ball there. So he's a uh, it, it will be interesting. You know, the part of that draft that's going to be great for him is that. Uh, He's going to be able to spend the early days of his uh, career with his high school teammate, Lucas Herbert, who the Braves drafted the catcher uh, in the, with their fourth selection on Monday night. Yeah, it seems like on that first day, um, and that was a big day for them, it seemed like they had took a lot of risk and a lot of upside. Um, did that just happen to be the guys that they liked at those points, or was that a, a philosophical decision? I'll tell you what. Let's, you, you, we even go back to all these moves that they made uh, throughout the winter. Uh, I don't know if you, there's a little bit of risk with Tyrell Jenkins, you know, with his injury past. So, you know, they go out and they get Max Freed, the guy coming off of Tommy John, and, and we've seen them, you know, they haven't been afraid to, to target those guys with the deal. And I, and I see a pattern here where, where that extended into the draft with Allard, with the the uh, back issues, with um A.J. Mentor, they, they took with the 75th overall pick, their, the last pick on Monday. Uh, from what I understand, they, they would have been more than willing to probably take him at 28 
um, which was their second selection that day, uh, given his talent, uh, big, strong left-hander out of Texas A&M. Uh, from what I hear, he if he had not uh, blown out his elbow and had Tommy John surgery in March, he probably he might have had a chance to get into Atlanta's bullpen at some point this year. And, and well, you know, as we've seen from the bullpen, that might have been tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, here's a guy who, who does have a lot of upside, but teams backed away from him. Um, you know, because he. He is coming off Tommy John. That you know, John Coppola, John Hart, uh, this regime, they have not seemed to to shy away from those guys. They see them as, hey, look, we would never have a chance to get these guys uh, in these specific spots, whether that's um, you know with Allard or Mentor. Um, so why don't we go ahead and take a chance and, and just you know they, they kind of view it as one Tommy John with Mentor. That's no big deal. They just hope that. Uh, that he gets back to where he was earlier this year, um, where they they saw him have an overpowering uh, fastball there during the early part of the season with Texas A&M. It, they, the the way the the draft is structured, there's a certain amount of money allotted to, to each pick. There's there's a slotting system, and and so theoretically, uh, whether you have 20 picks in the first five rounds or three picks in the first five rounds, theoretically you should be able to get them all signed at slot. In practicality, it doesn't often work that way, which is a very long preface to ask, is there any worry about being able to get all of these guys signed if they've got to go over slot for one and maybe under another? Um, how do they – are these guys kind of all fit together as far as getting them all under contract and playing pro ball? Well, you know, I just, I'm just looking here the first few picks here, and I, I do think there are some guys that are going to be able to get under slot to be able to go over slot to – to maybe a couple others, uh, Michael Soroka, their their second pick. Uh, maybe he wasn't. They take him 28th overall. I don't think a lot of teams had him that high on their board. Maybe you, you know, my my uh, expectation or anticipation is that, that we will hear that that maybe he he signs slightly under slot, and then all of a sudden, uh, whether a little bit more of that money is given to Colby Allard or to Mentor, um, you know. We'll find out when these deals are done. But one thing Brian Bridges did tell us, the scouting director, is is basically all these first, uh, I believe he said six to seven, uh, were, were done. And that was as of recently, uh, or as I think that was Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I forget exactly which day, but he, you know, hey, look, they're not signed, but but verbally, uh, everything's been taken care of from that financial end. But yeah, I do see, I do think that we will see um, some. Some guys under slot, and maybe even later in that uh, those first ten picks, they took some chances on some guys that that really weren't uh, you know projected to go nearly as high. Um, you know, Ryan Clark from UNC Greensboro, uh, Matt Withrow from Texas Tech, and Patrick Weigel from from Houston, all college arms that they maybe you know project long term to be relievers. Um, they're they're not guys that they're going to rush to double A or anything like that. They don't have that kind of upside uh, that the mentor would have had had he been healthy. Um, but I, I do see that maybe you have some wiggle room there to to be able to take care of your higher selections. One idea we heard a lot when the Braves made their front office changes, and and to their credit, not so much from the club that they they weren't hanging on this, but it was it was the, the a, an idea that was commonly expressed, and I think everybody who was looking could kind of see it, was this idea of getting back to the old Braves, to do things with this scouting development-based model the way they used to do it, to build the organization the way it was built for that amazing run in the 90s. 
is, are there things about this draft that they did that show you evidence of that? Are there ways that this draft looks maybe any more like the way they used to draft than recent years, or, or is, is there not that kind of stark black and white difference? Yeah, I, I do see some similarities. <clears throat> I saw, uh, if it, in terms of pitching heavy, they went 12 of their first 14 selections this year were, were pitchers. There were three years uh, where, where I can draw a comparison, 2000. 2003 and 2006. Uh, Roy Clark is the special assistant to the general manager. He came back uh, this year or in September, I should say, or right as the new regime took over. He, he came in. Brian Bridges is the scouting director. Brian trained under Roy. That, that's you know that's his mentor. Um, these, this draft looked a whole lot like a Roy Clark draft, minus the inclusion of a lot of local talent. You know, we didn't see it. A local got taken until they took Ryan Lawler there in the eighth round, a uh, left-hander out of the University of Georgia. And that's really the only element. But but Roy Clark has always you know been a guy who's pitching heavy. I talked to John Hart the other day, and I I threw out a number. I said you know sometimes you need um, fifteen pitchers to, to find three of them that are going to be you know effective at the big league level. He he said hey look I subscribe to the the two and ten theory, or basically you need to put 10, 10 prospects out there and maybe you're going to find two, but you, but you get the kind of the sense of what I'm saying is, um, you know, it's nice to talk about all these guys to be optimistic that they're all going to make it. But at the end of the day, um, you're going to step back and, and realize that back in 2000, Adam Wainwright right proved to be the, or was the first one that uh, uh, they took. He proved to be one of the few real effective arms that they took, um, in 2003, I, they, they took all those pitchers. There were only a couple that um, panned out. 2006, uh, I'm trying to think who that was. The 2008, let's go to 2008. They had four or five guys. They didn't take as many pitchers there early. It wasn't that 12 out of 14, but they ended up taking four or five pitchers. That And some of them were it was Zeke Sproul, Paul Clemens, um, a lot of guys that they've ended up trading. Uh, these pieces, and I think that's where the value in pitching is. Uh, not only you know maybe maybe you'll find a gym uh, that's going to help you your own staff, but at the same time, there's always such a uh, great value placed on pitching from other teams. It's nice to be able to to deal from an area of strength, and if you and you're going to have strength in numbers, so that the more pitching you have, um, you know might might allow you to to make deals like you did for Zeke's pool when you, when he, you included him in the Justin Upton deal and the Clemens and, and Brett Obel, Brett Oberholzer were from that same draft. Uh, they were used to get Michael Bourne. So, uh, you know, these guys, you're not going to see all these guys in Atlanta. I mean, no one's ever going to say that, but, uh, you hope enough of them develop that the, where you have a depth to where, uh, you can either, you know, find value from them on the field uh, directly or somewhat indirectly via, via trades. All right. Well, Mark Bowman, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.